Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential. Thanks so much for being here. I'm really thrilled to have the opportunity to speak to award-winning composer-producer Ludwig Göransson on the occasion of the premiere of Christopher Nolan's much-awaited epic film Oppenheimer. The Oppenheimer score, another incredible achievement by Göransson. Göransson's varied career is already iconic. He's scored films such as Fruitvale Station and Creed. He won the Best Original Score Oscar for Black Panther. For TV, he's worked on Community, and his Mandalorian score is already part of the pop cultural landscape. As a producer, he has frequently collaborated with Childish Gambino, produced Kendrick Lamar, Rihanna, just to name a few. Oppenheimer is his second musical collaboration with Nolan. His first was Tenet, a sensation, a score that you can really feel deep down in your psyche, in your bones. He mirrored the film's time inversion theme by reverse engineering the musical soundscape and by using Chris Nolan's own breath for that otherworldly effect. Nolan's Oppenheimer is based on the biography American Prometheus about J. Robert Oppenheimer, the theoretical physicist whose work was pivotal in the development of the first nuclear weapons as part of the Manhattan Project. With this project, we can sense themes that Nolan seems to have been exploring through his whole body of work, science, obsessive characters, and moral questions of cause and effect. In my talk with Jorasson, we explored how we work with Nolan and his themes musically. For Oppenheimer, Nolan suggested to Jorasson that he base the score on the violin. To mirror the high-strung nature of Oppenheimer, brilliance, moral ambiguity, and a momentous historical event. More on that after this. Here is Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Detonator's charged! in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. We have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. 
Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. Ludwig Jaronson, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for this tremendous achievement that you have done again with Nolan and Oppenheimer. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I read an interview with Chris Nolan um, a while back, and he said, quote, people have asked if I would ever make a musical, and I'm like, they're all musicals, end quote. And having made a couple of works with him musically, do you get what he means by that? Absolutely. I mean, music in his movies, are uh, it's, it's like a character, right? It's the, 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 the space and the emphasis that he has with music and storytelling is is very unique and i i i mean i i saw that from the very beginning when i was you know when i grew up and watching his movies and seeing what it did with dave julian and Hans Zimmer and seeing you know and then seeing those movies and getting that that feel from the music it was it was extremely inspiring and so being able to work with him and and having this collaboration ship has meant a lot to me and uh and just, you know, it feels like we're discovering and everything, every time we work together, it feels like we're discovering new paths in music that, that I haven't, you know, I haven't done before. So we're going to get back to talking about your work with him, but describing um, J. Robert Oppenheimer, I mean, he's truly a, a trinity to use that word, a yeah. true polymath. He was fascinated by philosophy, poetry, music. Um, he was also, of course, in physics. He could see things in different dimensions and he could be volatile. Such an enigma. How did you approach him musically? Yeah, that was a challenge because when I, as soon as I read the script, I realized like this is written from first-person perspective you know you, you you're as an as, as a reader or as an audience member you're you're experiencing the the movie through his eyes so I realized pretty quickly that the music needs to feel like you're with him and like you're in his emotional state at all times so and his emotional state is you know obviously he's a genius and but there's a lot of complexity in there <laughs> and uh so music the musical spectrum had to be you know, there's the tonality of it. Had there's a lot of ground to cover, um, and so that was the, that was the big challenge. Since the movie is so much about morality, what does guilt sound like to you? Well, in in this movie in particular, we the the one thing Chris was mentioning early on in the process was that he wanted to explore the sound of violin for to portray Oppenheimer. And especially because it's it's the violin is a fretless instrument, so you can you can you can just hold down a note, and then depending on the strength of the of the, of the bow arm and the, the vibrato, you can make it. You can turn it from like something beautiful, romantic, into something neurotic and horrific within sp a split of a second. And I think that state, how you can go into those feelings, uh, uh, you know, uh, and and balance those feelings in a, in a in a very interesting way, um, 
that's what that's interesting so the violin has this paradoxical you can go from one state of mind to another exactly you know you you can start the tone feeling like okay this is about to be something beautiful and then within a second like it just ends on a completely like heartbreaking horrific note and i think that's that is what we was trying to embody with with uh, the the emotional core of, of oppenheimer you know and especially because we're portraying him like you know pre trinity and post trinity and 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 him realizing uh you know the the effects of what 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 he did so musically what could you, was pre and what is post trinity i feel like that there there's there's two elements of the score there's there's and the first element which is the violin and the strings you know we have a solo violin that feels you know extremely like intimate and then as the movie goes on like that the solo violence is, is joined by four violence and then a the whole string orchestra so you have the dynamic range uh, of that sound and then and then on the other hand you have and that's how I started writing the music everything was organic I wanted to feel the, the most important part of all in the beginning was to feel the, the emotional core so I wanted to write all the music with just live performance players and, and organic but then we have the throughout the whole movie there's there's a feeling of the, the impending doom right and that's where we get the the electronic elements in the modern production and those kind of synths that feels like they're drawing you down you know to the bottom of a bottomless pit you know and and uh, uh and it was the the juxtaposition between those two worlds that that for me I thought was very interesting and in terms of sound design I understand that you often use real world sounds yes. um, in your compositions. What did you do for this one, if any? Uh, well, for this one, you know, there, there's, there, there was some sound design that Chris had experimented with a lot in the beginning, which was the sound of footsteps. And, and something that I realized when I, when I was done with the movie and I was watching down the movie was like, I realized pretty quickly that, oh my God, there's, you know, two hours and 40 minutes of music, but there's no percussion in it. <laughs> And there's something that we never really talked about it, but I, you know, I realized that, you know, we have footsteps and, you know, it's, it's such an essence and such an important sound of the movie. And, and, and also I think that the, the way it, those footsteps just comes out because there's no percussion, there's no other rhythmic elements in it. So it, it, it just, you feel the threat of that even more, you know? And yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. It's two very powerful moments, one with Gene Tatlock, where it's very mm -hmm. emotional, and one where he's sort of understanding, um, I don't want to give anything away, but he's understanding the ramifications of, of what has happened. And these footsteps are almost like army marching and trained. I mean, it's very kind of a stressful sound, I would say. Exactly. Oh. You know, it's, it's uh, but it's always, it's almost like he, like, because you hear it early on in the movie, so so it's almost like he... You hear that sound also in the opening scene of the movie. So it's almost like he knew it was coming too, right? Interesting. Um, for Tenet, you talked about that you spent the first meeting before reading the script with um, Nolan, and he played you vinyls and CDs, um, and you talked for a long time. Was it the same type of process here? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, after we after we finished Tenet, you know, we we still kept in contact, and like we we we're, we're we're hanging out and watching movies or playing music, talk about art, and so I think that's a part. That's an important part of the part of the process and the collaboration ship of of like still keeping in touch and and 
and talk about art and seeing, you know, having that discussion, I think, is very important. So, you know, so when we started Oppenheimer, it wasn't, you know, we already had that relationship. And so um, we already knew each other. And but I still but even though we knew each other, he's never like, hey, I'm working on this thing right now like it's gonna it's about this you know it's it's always kind of very secretive about what he's doing and and so when I got the phone call it was like kind of out of the blue it was like hey uh, you want to read the script next week or tomorrow <laughs> so uh so I didn't I didn't have any I didn't go into reading when I went started reading the script I hadn't I didn't really know anything about it before I started reading it and I think that's that I think that's an that's a great um way to approach things Besides the violin, did he have anything to offer up of what his he wanted the soundscape to feel like? Not really, no. Like mm-hmm. we, he had the violin, and then my my wife's the violinist, so I was able to, you know, we worked a lot together in the beginning to to kind of create these, you know, experiments. So the first three months before Chris shot, Chris Owen starts shooting a movie, he's in pre production, and I sit down with him, I meet up with him once a week, and I play him the music that I've written. And then we analyze it and we dissect it. We talk about the sounds. We talk about the melodies, what works, what doesn't work. And then we work on that for three months over and over and over again. So when he, when he, when he um, goes off the sh- to set to shoot the movie, he already has three hours of uh, music to listen to. He's also very hands-on. I remember you telling a story about a scoring session you had with a full orchestra and, and you were saying something to the orchestra about do that again in bar 24 and a little voice from the back said no it's actually 17 and yeah. turned around and it's and it's chris nolan what's it like to have do you like having a director who's so hands-on and into you know or is it more of a difficult process uh no in this case it is a good thing like it's i'm very but that's also because it is very inviting he's also very inviting to my opinion and to my views even though he has a crystal clear uh idea of what he's trying to do and what he's doing like he knows you know i'm sure he was you know there there's a very powerful moment with silence in a movie you know when there and, and i'm sure that was already in his head while he was writing the movie um so he has these crystal clear ideas but he's also extremely open to to my input and and where where i kind of sometimes i disagree and and we having that and we having that exchange of ideas, and I think that's when 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 magic really can happen, and we can push each other. and And I think for this one, you know, we we ended up with something pretty special, and 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 that was because we had those we we had those moments where we pushed each other further. So I just saw the movie um, this morning, so I'm very full oh, wow. into it. So, but I have three spots I wanted to talk to you about and you actually mentioned the one with Tatlock and the foot stomping so we, we've talked about that and I felt that the, something very emotional happened for me one is when he's um, Oppenheimer's is like changing from a real military uniform to sort of the Oppenheimer uniform uh-huh. the hat we know the pipe and and there I felt something musically happened do you remember that scene I'm talking about oh yeah absolutely it's yeah. um you know he 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 uh yeah he's kind of becoming you know it's it's almost like you know there's all those in in every superhero there's always those scenes when you you know you put he gets his cape he gets his uh you know the superhero gets his or hers weapons whatever it is you know so it's it's kind of a it's a powerful moment in the movie and and you know it's his it's his theme that's being played and 
but it's also kind of a, a throwback to the same theme that you feel like when he's he's a student he's in a university he's a student and he's going to the museum and he's you see this picasso painting hanging on the wall like in the imax on a huge screen and that that's opening montage is kind of that's that's a very important piece of music there too and it's it's a throwback to that um music and i remember when i saw one of the first things that chris showed me after i read the script was his visual effects experiments um, that he and Andrew Jackson was working on. They were working on creating the visuals when you know the atoms are spinning around in circles, and and you have this beautiful mm-hmm. like fluorescent lights created. And, the gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, and I was remember sitting in that in the theater watching that, and and the, those lights hitting my face, and I was that was such a it was such a cool way of portraying that, and it's not digital, and so it's, it's it's it feels timeless in a way, and uh, that's I want that's how I wanted the music to sound like in those moments um so yeah and then of course i want to talk to you about thinking about and creating the music for trinity for the bomb for this moment that changed history and is so with so many moral implications not just for oppenheimer and everyone who worked on it but also for the world of course and this was an incredible segment both mm-hmm. visually and 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 more and musically um talk about that and what your feelings were getting going into making that well i think it's it's such a monumental part of the movie it's 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 a fr- until that scene like the bomb has always been like you know scribblings it's been theory it's been you know it's 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 not it's not a physical thing that you're like you know you're actually touching it you're hoisting it up in the air you know it's it's now it's real in a different way so for me right there it is a, it's a big f- change in music there for that scene you're you're going from you know a big orchestra like lush music to like the these kind of really intimidating sounds it's almost like more like a sound design you have i have there's three elements like this little ticking metallic sound this and this like really rumbling bass which is uh, symbolizing the, the the bomb and 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 you're going and it really feels i really wanted it to feel like this is this is a real threat you know this is maybe this is this is actually bigger than what you thought it was going to be. You know, this is this thing. Now you actually know that it could have potentially destroy the whole world. And and it was. And then obviously for the whole Trinity test, you know, there, there's there's a sense of urgency there that that you haven't experienced before. And these guys, these scientists, I mean, they're they're taking bets if they're going to blow up the whole world or not. You know, it's kind of it's kind of insane. And this actually happened in reality. Like imagine, yeah. imagine even being there and being in the state that they were in, were in at that time um, to to take bets on the possibility of destroying the whole world of humanity. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the process itself with Chris Nolan? Yeah. So most of the music, like I said, they're done. <clears throat> I have three hours of music written before he starts shooting the film, and then so then when he's finishing the movie, he finishes shooting the movie when he starts editing he starts to cut in my music in the scenes. So every part of the movie making is, everything is, he always sees the music and the movie in, and hears the music and creates it. It's it's all an, an, an own world. You know, you know, the music is its own DNA. It's not, you know, a lot of times when you start cutting a movie, most of the times, you know, people use temp music and they, t- they take in music from already existing movies and stuff, but Chris doesn't work that way and he, we already created a bunch of music that he cuts into the scenes, and so when I have a first, when he has a first cut, there's already my music is already in there. 
<laughs> and then from there on, we finesse it. Like we, we, we have like three or four months when we finesse it. I write a bunch of new music to picture. Uh, he has um, every Friday we watch the movie. We watch the movie down with Emma Thomas and Jennifer Lame, the editor, and we sit and watch it and watch the progress. And then next Friday we do the same thing and we see it just coming together and breathe. And it's like you're creating a, you know, creating something. And how many Fridays was this? Months and months? It was or? probably like, uh, yeah, it was probably for three months. Yeah. Well, it was an amazing outcome. Um, I don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about your influences right now. What are you listening to who are composers that that if you had a young student like yourself at one time and you'd said, go listen to this, listen to Ludwig Joransson, but <laughs> listen to this also. Man, um, personally, I listen to a lot of jazz. I listen to a lot of classical music, and and then I try to also listen to, and also listen to like the 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 the, the pop radio and 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 try to stay up to date with all the records that comes out every Friday. Um, but are you talking about like specifically film scores or? Yeah, tell me the last ones that you have listened to that have really affected you. Um, well, I listened to I think what Daniel Pemberton did on on Spider Verse. I think you know both those movies oh, are, are it's incredible. Like he's he's always like also pushing the you know the boundaries of sound, and I think it's 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 he's incredible uh, composer. And uh, and also what you know I I finished Succession a couple of days ago, and like just seeing that arc of music oh, how it takes place oh. in those <laughs> in those seasons and how much music created for that it's it's astonishing. And then I'm super excited to see uh, Miyazaki's new film. You know, it's, I think it came out yesterday. Um, and Joe Hishiyashi, you know, I love everything that he's done. And uh, he's, okay. he never ceases to amaze me. Well, Ludwig, I've really wanted to talk to you for a long time. They want me to wrap up. Thank you very much for taking your time with me. Of course. Thank you for having me. Hey, do. Hey, Thank you so much to Ludwig Joransson. Oppenheimer premieres on July 21st and make sure to see it on the largest screen available. And thank you so much for joining us. Pop Culture Confidential is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.